0: back on the football outside the box podcast where we discuss the past the present and the future of football so guys deals have been completed and finalized at the top of the Premier League table in the form of Darwin Nunes to Liverpool looking to Following the footsteps of his Uruguayan compatriot, Luis Suarez, as did Erling Haaland over at Manchester City, who is also following in footsteps, however, in the form of his father, who used to play for Manchester City way back in the day. So these are two teams that obviously dominate English football in recent years at least. However, They have fallen short in Champions League. Both of them have in recent years. Yes, Liverpool did win it once, but the majority of the times they did fall short. So, can these signings boast up their chances to maybe potentially win it this time?
1: Well, I feel they're both very young. You know, Nunes being 22, Holland. Being 21 or 20, I believe. But, I mean, for me, one per one player stands out over the other, and it's Holland. He's shattering the records of the youngest goal scorers in the Champions League history. He's proven it at this level. I know with Dortmund, he never really went far, but I think we've said this a few times on this podcast, where at least I feel that City, when they have those games where not everything is seemingly going their way, they struggle because they don't have that focal point. Like a hurricane, which they were looking at last summer. But now they have that in Holland. And does this help their defensive goals? That we've certainly seen in the Champions League at, at that level of, you know, when, it, when they get to the semifinals or even the final, they're being constantly undone by... Lesser oppositions on the counter. The goal scoring was never a problem for City in the Champions League. Of course, having Holland would help to maybe get over those freak losses against the likes of, you know, Monaco from six seasons ago, or even Lyon um, during that COVID Champions League time. But on the other hand, Nunes, he has got a big shoe to fill. What do you give Nunes as his chances of successfully leading the lines for Liverpool? Because it's him or Jota or Firmino.
0: To be honest with you, I've seen him just looking at his raw talent. This kid has got talent. He's got a lot of ability. I think he's a danger man. He just seems very complete to me. And his style also seems very, very suitable to what Jurgen Klopp is trying to do. And you can tell that he has a lot of energy as well when he's playing. People may argue that young players do tend to have that type of energy, which, sure, may be the case. But something about him just seems like he... When you have that hunger in front of goal, which he has it's definitely, it definitely gives you the edge, especially in this day and age, to me, up against defenders who maybe won't have that level of instinctual sense of where to be and when to just go, when to burst, when to get on the end of this chance, when to move, and even looking at his finish against Liverpool in the Champions League, so cool just to open his body. And you can tell that it was just such a natural finish. And that paired with that kind of raw, just getting where he needs to be, getting his head on the ball, can just kind of pounce. That's really the word I'm looking for. His ability to just pounce on chances. We're looking at a very dangerous prospect here.
1: Yeah, I mean, he seems to be full of energy, you know, like the Liverpool, like you would expect from a Liverpool player. Let's see if he turns out to be asthmatic now, just like apparently 62% of the Liverpool squad do. But now that you mentioned the Champions League prospects for both of these teams, who arguably would be the top two favourites for this upcoming season's Champions League as well, we wanted to talk about for today's episode about the new Champions League format that's going to be coming into play in two years' time. So this doesn't affect the the coming season or the season after that, but it will be in effect two seasons from this year. Big changes. Um, I'm sure most of you are aware, but the biggest changes. Uh, for the first one being now we have 36 teams instead of the 32. I think. One of the teams, so one of the four extra teams is going to be determined by the third place team from the fifth-ranked league, which this year it was the League One Uber Eats. I think Monaco finished third. I uh, remember, if my memory serves right, they will be qualifying for the Champions League. And again, the second team would be from a Champions path, so champions of the leagues that are not highly ranked enough so the likes of dinamo zagreb you know you've you've heard of these teams before they don't have the automatic qualification because of their the league that they play in they will be playing a playoff against each other and the winner will automatically qualify for the champions league this is what made the most noise slash stroke controversy that being the fifth place teams for the top or i should say not the fifth place teams because it could be different for each league but the highest ranked team of the league that performed the best the previous season of the champions league that finished outside of the champions league spot so for example this year it was england and holland uh to your surprise those were the top two performing leagues in the european competitions this year so for england arsenal finished fifth if this new Champions League format was in effect this year, they will be qualifying for the Champions League next season. I personally don't like this because the way they calculate how well each leagues are doing in the competitions is by the number of entries that you have. That's why you have the Holland and the Dutch league in in the second place because they've only had, I think, three or four and one of them made it to the final. What is your opinion on that? Because before um, there was news of, you know, rewarding teams based on their historical performances in the continental competitions. And there was a backlash from quite a few backlash from, you know, a few fans. I would have preferred that because it just doesn't make sense that a, a random team gets rewarded for the other teams in your own nation performing well. the european competitions what's your opinion on that just the two extra spots for for the champions league
0: yeah i'd have to agree with you but if we're looking at the the grand scheme of the the strength of the particular leagues or countries for that matter then we do already kind of consider that because England already gets four teams as opposed to like what you were saying earlier, a Dynamo, Zagreb or somebody, they don't get as many opportunities to enter. And that's kind of because of how their leagues perform in Europe anyway. So it already kind of is like that to an extent, but yes, I hear the perspective of why does, for example, in the, in the, In the case that you're talking about, why would Arsenal benefit from Man City and Liverpool's performances in the Champions League? However, in regards to the actual winners of the Champions League in this case, I would say that this whole system in general, not talking about just the two extra teams that get picked, but whoever ends up as the winner, I think it's kind of a better telling sign as to who was the best team in Europe because a lot of the times we kind of throw that term around very loosely and we say oh winners of the Champions League they're the best team in Europe which is maybe not always necessarily the case because you don't necessarily play everybody and it's a knockout kind of format which means you could also get lucky in terms of your draws you could get lucky in terms of just playing on the day. It's not necessarily based on your consistency throughout the whole course of the year as opposed to a league season. So, for example, when Chelsea won the Champions League in 2012, a lot of people would say they weren't the best team. I think they came, what, fifth that year in the league? To me, this is a more telltale sign of who is actually the best team in Europe. And I think, This is going to tell more. So I appreciate that change. However, could they come up with a better way to pick the final two teams who qualify? Maybe. What would you suggest, though? A simple playoff?
1: Yeah, I mean, we had that, you know. The If you remember the fourth place, I'm sure you remember as an Arsenal fan, fourth place in the Premier League wasn't an automatic qualification guaranteed. They had to go through the playoffs. Until recently as 2018, I believe. So I don't know why they got rid of that. You know, is it because too many games, which would be hypocritical of them because they're adding about 60 to 80 games on top of the Champions League format that we have already. It just doesn't make sense. You know, why not? We talk about the quality of teams that make it to the Champions League, but why not give the teams like Apoil? You remember Apoil made it to the quarterfinals 10 seasons ago almost why not give these teams a chance the whole thing against super league was that the supposed lower level teams would never get a chance to compete in at the top level of the european competitions what's the difference it's highly unlikely that a croatian league teams from the croatian league are going to be at the top you know they're once in a blue moon they might make a miraculous run to the final, which we've never seen before, you know? So why not give these teams a chance instead of giving it to some random, like Arsenal had no business being in Europe. You know, they they weren't in Europe. If they were in Europe and they contributed to their own league success, that makes sense. Maybe you could add a constriction to say that team must have played in Europe that season and contributed to their own nation's qualification points and whatnot to be able to qualify for the Champions League through this route. It just doesn't seem right that a random fifth-place team from the Premier League is automatically qualifying for the Champions League over, let's say, a team from, I mean, I keep using Croatia as as an example, but a team from Croatia, which Croatia has been, producing a lot of good talent.
0: Yeah, it just seems like it's making the bigger leagues more competitive in their actual domestic leagues, whereas back to the Croatia example, there's less motivation for them to get that last final spot in their league, whereas maybe in England now, there's going to be more motivation for even at West Ham who are challenging this year, for that, those European spots, there's, there's more motivation for them, so that boosts up the performances of the Premier League and La Liga and these bigger leagues, whereas the smaller leagues maybe won't necessarily get that level of motivation now or that incentive.
1: Right. I mean, now, I mean, I'm not English, you're not English, or you're not any from any European countries, but when you watch the Champions League on BT Sport, you hear commentators rooting for other English teams, you know, even the likes of Steve McManaman, who's a Liverpool fan, a Liverpool player, ex-player. He was happy when United went through against Paris um, three years ago. Now, I never understood that as a non-English football fan, but now we might have a situation where had we finished fifth, had United finished fifth, I might have been rooting for Liverpool to win the Champions League over Real Madrid because that would get us the qualification. And same for you. Go back to the Tottenham when they made it to the Champions League final in 2019. Maybe it doesn't matter because they played against Liverpool. Yeah, I was going to
0: say you could use the example of this season.
1: Right, yeah. So, you know, it's going to create an interesting dynamic for you know the fans of different rival teams, but let's let's just leave it at that for now. The second biggest change would be because we're going from thirty to thirty six teams, we won't have four eight groups of four teams anymore, but rather they'll all just be in in one big group. But they'll still be placed into the same pots, so pot one, two, three, four, except pot one. Well, except each pot will have nine teams instead of the usual eight. And to those who are not familiar with the Swiss model, what it is, it doesn't really work for the first game. So I believe the first game is just going to be the same random draw. You play two teams from each pot. So if you're in pot one, you get drawn to two teams from pot one, pot two, pot three, pot four. So eight teams, you're going to play them home and away same thing but you're gonna have eight games instead of six so that's two games extra i have a question to that where the heck do you fit that in i don't know but um brushing that to the side within that group so you have that small group of your eight teams or nine teams within the whole group of 36 teams you played the first game it's going to be random The Swiss model, how it works, is it matches the teams with the same or at least a similar schedule. So the teams who won their first games will play each other the next game instead of, oh, we're going to play Real Madrid the first day of the week, first game day of the group stage, and then Apoel the next time, and then we're going to have AC Milan. None of that, it goes by strictly their, their record. In theory, you will have the best teams playing against each other, and... Maybe I'm being harsh, but the worst teams playing against each other, which would eventually put the actual best teams on top. But I have to go back to the point I made. How the hell do you fit the extra two games in?
0: You know, it's funny because we're just talking about this the other day. The amount of matches that are being expected now from these players is almost getting out of hand. You know, it's... May come to a point where the entire squad is going to have to increase. So rather than have a however many players on the bench, they're going to need to increase the amount of players allowed on the bench itself. You know they talk about oh they added the five sub rule. It's almost defeating the purpose with the amount of matches that's being played. It's all coming back down to broadcasting revenue, and they think that they're tricking us, but really and truly. They're kind of just defeating the purpose. So are they going to have to find a way to protect the players even more by adding more options on the bench now? I'm just trying to think of the balance here because we have to have a healthy balance, right? We obviously want to watch more football as fans, but we also have consideration for the players of the teams that we're supporting. I don't want to see soccer playing games every two to three days all season all year long and then see him get injured and then we don't see him at all for the rest of the season look at what happened to Tierney and Party. for me I was upset about that do I want to see Arsenal play every two days I mean it would be exciting it's something to look forward to in the days but unless we have more options then we're just going to not be able to see our best players our favorite players on the field all the time there's going to have to be a solution at one point or something that at least mitigates this risk. So if you wait for and honestly, football in general, don't come up with something, we're going to keep having to just cover up the bullshit at the end of the day.
1: I mean, 100%. I mean, we, we talked about the unlimited subs as an, an improvement to the game, but I mean, realistically... I mean of course this is not UEFA's problem or FIFA's problem but but the players of that irreplaceable level so you know the the likes of van dyke the likes of Kevin De Bruyne at City the likes of Benzema at Real Madrid there's not that much of those players even if you implement these we have the five subs rule now officially but even if you have that that's not going to affect these players you know, the likes of uh, Bruno Fernandes at United, the exact same sentiment that you just said. I, I, love, I would love to watch my, like my team play every three days. But every time I watch, especially in 2020, 2021, every time I watch these guys play, because United played 63 games that season, and Bruno played almost every single minute of that game, I felt bad for the guy. I almost felt, I, I always felt worried that he's going to get burnt down and injure himself. Eventually, you can have more games, but because there's players at this level who are irreplaceable, the sub rule is not going to really affect them at this point, point. and I don't know what UEFA are going to do to have to mitigate the risk that comes from adding these outrageous amount of games, and there's even more games. I'll, I'll get into that after this. I don't see how this gets resolved. I know what they're thinking. More games, more money. Great. TV revenue is rolling in. You know, UFS sleeping in money. But at some point, it's not going to work because the quality is going to go down. Players can't keep this up. They're not robots.
0: And that's the thing at the end of the day. We miss out on so much talent because we just allow players to get run to the ground. And so much talent has just not been able to really maximize their potential because of injuries. And, you know, we can make the argument all day long that, yes, in order to be recognized as a player of having an, in order to be recognized as a player who's had a stellar career, they have to overcome injuries or have that longevity, really. But are we just going to keep expanding what longevity means in the long run Are we just going to keep making it more difficult to endure that level for long periods of times? We're missing out on these quality players from a technical standpoint because we as football fans and why people fall in love with the game and why they want to keep watching it is for those beautiful moments, that flair, those Ronaldinho flicks, that Pirlo-esque pass on a dime. You know, these types of things that if you keep asking for players just to keep working themselves to the ground, working themselves to the ground, we're going to keep missing out on players like this who eventually become legends for every fo- everybody who watches football. And, and not even just that, for players who want to get into football. You know, players who watch maybe... They're basketball fans and they appreciate somebody like Ronaldinho. Like, like me, for example, I don't necessarily watch basketball hardcore like that, but I can appreciate a player like Steph Curry. So just even using that example, I mean, basketball is a different sport because they're not playing the entire match. They get to sub in and sub out. But if Steph Curry had to play a whole 90 minutes and run himself to the ground like that, he'd get tired and potentially get injured. And we would have missed out on that. Even me, not as a basketball fan, I appreciate a man like Steph Curry. And I'm sure many basketball fans appreciate guys like Neymar, guys like Ronaldinho, who can, or even Mbappe, who can provide those kind of YouTube highlights for people to watch. I mean... That's an aspect of what builds fan bases. Even if it is not a hardcore fan base like that, it's, you're still a fan of that player from an outside perspective. And now you've just narrowed down your volume of watchers to a whole nother degree. I mean, you know many people who don't watch football will literally turn on a football match just because they know Mbappe is playing?
1: Or could be the other way around. You have so many of these games a, a season. You know, so many Real Madrid, PSG, Chelsea, Liverpools. Like, imagine we have 10 of these per season. No one's going to watch every 10 of them. Eventually, we're going to get tired. Well, that's human nature. Which is, they can't do anything about it. But I think the concern we, we share, just player health. Not just, I mean... I guess it is health, but players are being overworked already as is. And they're going to add two more games. And let me get into this next part. For teams who finish in the top eight will automatically qualify for the round of 16. However, teams finishing between ninth and 24th place will be placed into a playoff. Great. More games. I mean... For example, Liverpool played 63 games because they made it to all their domestic cup finals as well as the Champions League final. If Liverpool, they probably won't. But if they somehow finish ninth in 2024, they're going to have to play 67 games to even have a chance to win everything. 67. That's almost double the amount of league games in a season. That is crazy.
0: Yeah, it's unreal. But to wrap that up, thankfully, we have to wait a couple of years for that to happen. So let's see how the developments go. You never know. Maybe maybe it does end up being a good thing. Maybe they do end up changing substitute rules to match it. As we always say, we will see. But that's it from us. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you tune in back on Friday. We're going to have some transfer news for you, some updates. We're going to discuss them, and you're going to hear our opinions on them. We would also love to hear your opinions on them too. So leave those opinions in the Facebook page. You can always comment on any of the posts. You can send us a DM. Also, turn on your notifications. Make sure to turn on those notifications. Don't miss any of these because we're coming right at you with this talk and who doesn't want to talk about football right
1: yeah we have some big transfer news to cover on friday it's gonna keep on coming this all summer so make sure to tune in make sure to like our facebook page to keep up to date with all the transfer news and the episodes that we're going to be releasing throughout the summer
0: subscribe and turn on those notifications but that's it from us thank you very much
1: Thank you very much as always and peace out.